Welcome to episode number 19 of Central Intelligence Cinema. We've got spy movie news, a lively discussion on the future of Bond, and our spoiler-free first impressions of Black Widow on the way. So let's get it going, shall we? Take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Soto. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand on, sir. Yeah, baby. Recorded from an undisclosed location, possibly floating somewhere in the air. Spoiler alert! It's the Central Intelligence Cinema. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason, and welcome back to Central Intelligence Cinema. It's been a, a minute, but it's good to be back. Absolutely. There are 85 days until the U.S. release of No Time to Die, allegedly. Allegedly. Hey, good news is it's coming out before Dune. Thanks for pushing my movie out another two weeks. Bastards. Jerks. What the hell? What suppose the hell? I'll st- I suppose I'll still go see it. I mean, <laughs> You're only the biggest fan ever of it. Right. <laughs> uh, well, welcome back to the CIC. We got a little... Uh, little intel report and discussion for you might be talking about some uh, movie that came out i don't know some uh some woman she's got it's, red hair i don't know i don't know like a whole a, lot about it and i can't it's some say kind of too like, much it's like a disney princess movie or something yeah I don't know. something like that you know uh, you know and the, the hard thing is i can't say too much about it anyway because a lot of people haven't seen it yet but uh i don't know we'll figure it out once we get there but uh yeah. Let's, uh, shall we get into it? Let's get into it. All right. Looking for a news story? Impress me. Transmitting CIC Intel dossier. We'll print anything these days. All right. Well, I have one surprise thing that Jason doesn't know about here that I'm going to talk about. (laughs) And it's just a really small one, but it just sort of popped into my Twitter sphere instagram uh just in the past 24 hours <laughs> but uh i follow christopher mcquarrie on instagram and he, guy. that guy and uh he recently posted a picture on his instagram uh as he likes to do of rebecca ferguson sporting a an eye patch like it wasn't over her eye it was just sort of up on her forehead but it was cl- so it was like a behind the scenes type shot there's nothing else in the shot. And it was the same sort of black and white grayscale type photo like he's been doing with all the other ones for for MI7. So one, I'm, I'm curious what that's going to what, what's going on with that. Some people were saying that something bad was going to befall her. I personally was kind of like hoping, opti- optimistically wondering, is Ilsa going to be the IMF version of Nick Fury? Because if that's the case, I'm it's, on it's, board for that. I think it's going to be even worse. They're going to do commit the most carnal sin that you can do in the Mission Impossible series. They're going to turn her into a Bond villain. 
Oh boy. I really, you know, and people, <laughs> people have been talking about that though. People have been saying they're going to turn her. Like they think that she's going to go bad. She's going to go baddie and, and turn. I don't know. Fortunately, she pops up in Dune coming to you two weeks after the new James Bond movie. Uh, maybe mm. she's jumping franchises because she knows it's better quality stuff over the Dune universe. <laughs> Says Jason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so Jason Greenberg do not reflect the views of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to watch it regardless because it's Rebecca Ferguson. And well, yeah. Yeah. The joy. She's pretty great. Like uh, a certain Disney prison, princess we might have been talking about earlier. Indeed. Indeed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so next up on the uh, dossier, um, comic book writer Mark Millar. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. You absolutely are. Uh, who wrote uh, Marvel's Civil War Saga, Kingsman. Part one. Part one the Kingsman <laughs> series. Thank you, Jason, for that correction. Uh, <laughs> wanted and Kick-Ass is now set to write a new spy graphic novel called King of Spies, uh, which he's been working on with Netflix. So right. is, which is interesting that he's working with Netflix on a graphic novel, but hopefully that means we'll get a movie out of it. I think that's from what I saw. I think that's definitely the plan. He's got a huge, he, he got a huge contract with Netflix to produce the, the Millar, Millar verse or however you would say that when you cram those two words together, um, <laughs> the, the Millar verse. Um, -verse. <laughs> and I think this is the first original thing that he's producing through mm -hmm. Netflix. So the graphic novel is going to be ancillary to whatever programming Netflix is going to go. It's a tie in or a hand in hand that go together kind of thing. Right. I wonder um, if that was one of the conditions of the agreement was they fund his graphic novel, you know, for in, in order to, in order to maybe own the intellectual property, I don't know, to make the, the films or whatever. I don't know. I, I'm going to, I'm going to guess it's more because I, the agree he owns all of the stuff that's in the Malarverse, right? That's all right. his creator owned content. I doubt he sold it directly to them. It's just a yeah. production. Or maybe they just fund it. Just well, just, that's it exactly. Yeah. They 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 basically licensed his stuff to make things with it, but mm -hmm. he still owns it. It's not like Disney bought Marvel and they own everything. Right. They they're just saying, We like to play in your sandbox. Is that okay? And he'd be like, Yeah, you can play in my sandbox. Just don't pee in it. And, <laughs> and since he is so actively involved in the machinations of that particular deal, I don't think that's going to happen. And there's yeah. so much potential. I mean, I like the kick-ass movies. I would love to see a kick-ass show. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That would be a really... Where you wow, can yeah. really, really get into the motivations of the characters and, and really kind of get a feel for that. It's so, a perfect setup. It's the perfect type of storyline that you can continue on into a series like that it's oh, perfect yeah. for episodic type stuff yeah this uh they, there's a little write-up that millar put out regarding king of spies i'm just going to read it real quickly um in king of spies britain's greatest secret agent faces his deadliest enemy yet his own mortality diagnosed with a brain tumor and six months to live the retired sir roland king looks around at the world he saved so many times and feels he can't leave us in such a mess. There's greed and corruption at every level, untouchable despots he was forbidden to go near, and a system he just doesn't believe in anymore. 
He wants to use his remaining time to make a difference with his particular set of skills and repair the damage he did in his private life at the same time. The most dangerous man in the world has gone rogue, and he knows where all the bodies are buried. Now it's time to go after the real monsters. So, sounds promising. This sounds incredibly good. Yeah, and the and the two pieces of artwork that he released to sort of give you, you know, a little taste, little tasting. They, it looked great. Like I'm totally sold. On can all can of we it. all hope? That this uh, whoever ends up playing King ends up being somebody who should have been James Bond but didn't get to be James Bond. That isn't Henry Cavill because I don't think he can go dark enough to do it. Well, well he's pretty see- busy. <laughs> he does have other things on his plate and long white hair. I don't, I don't even know what that's. Yeah, about. He's got, I don't know what's um, that about. <laughs> but you know, I love to see uh, Clive Owen in this. He's perfect coming now. back. To he's Clive, the perfect age. Right? Clive Owen is the perfect age to do that now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think that this is a this could be a huge opportunity to uh, to bring in somebody who didn't get their shot for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. And then, then make him the bond that's just like, eh, fuck King and Country. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to take care of this shit and go. Yeah. I think he's the perfect man for the job. I completely agree. Oh, that'd be uh, so Mark, good. Mark, if you're listening, because I know you love this podcast. That's right. Uh, um, <laughs> we're such take influencers some, take some notes <laughs> take some notes so sort of adjacent or almost directly next to the millar verse is uh the new spy franchise that's being launched from matthew vaughn who directed the kingsman series argyle so yeah. i am very excited about argyle um, Argyle will be based on a soon-to-be-launched spy novel of the same name from author uh, Ellie Conway, who I couldn't find anything about on the internet. That was the one thing in my research. I couldn't, I Googled every which way to, to try and find her work, and it always brought up something that was probably not actually her. So don't know a whole lot about her as a as a author, but... Um, it follows the quote-unquote world's greatest spy, um, Argyle, as he is caught up in a globe-trotting adventure. Um, the movie will be the first of at least three films in the franchise and is set in America, London, and multiple locations across the world. Uh, the cast includes Henry Cavill, Sam Rockwell, Bryce Dallas Howard, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, John Cena, <laughs> singer Dua Lipa, and Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson. <laughs> that is a cast, dude. That, that is, but there's nothing that says who's playing Argyle, right? No, no. Um, Cavill is clearly playing Argyle. Why? Why is he clearly? Well, he's the lead. He's the first name on the. So he's Argyle. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, how do you know Sam Rockwell's not Argyle? All right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, how do you know Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson isn't Argyle? Oh, hell, no. You know what I want? I want Brian Cranston as Argyle. That would be perfect. <laughs> how good would that be? Yeah, That would, would be, be like, really interesting. I would you, watch the shit out of that. And then you make Henry Cavill the bad guy, and I'm, I don't care how bad it is. I'm going to watch that 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, though. This book thing sounds a lot like what's going on with King of Spies. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's more it's being written to go in conjunction with a film rather than something that is inspired by the the graphic novel or novel first. 
Right. I wonder if they're taking inspiration. Well, although Game of Thrones, technically, a lot of those books were already written when they first started mm-hmm. the series. And George R.R. Martin <laughs> never lived up to his end of the deal. Which oh, is, that book is finished. He just isn't going to release it till he's dead so that his estate gets all the money for it. <laughs> but uh, it is interesting how they're. it's almost like they're recruiting authors now to 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 sort of you know do these split deals especially well, especially the thing with with uh king of spies that's a really that's the first time i've ever seen it where it's clearly laid out that they're going to do both literary and mm-hmm. well and the fact that you can't find anything on this author leads me to believe that maybe this is just maybe this is somebody who was in the writer's room on writing this movie and mm-hmm. vaughn's like i have a brilliant idea let's write a book to go along with it Anybody write a book before? And Ellie Common was like, well, I, I used to write technical manuals when I was in college. <laughs> You're hired. Yeah. I mean, it could either that or, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of intellectual property that has been taken from like these these Amazon authors, like these mm-hmm. authors that only publish on Amazon. Yeah. Like a lot of there's a lot of shows on Netflix right now that were taken from these really super low budget books. You know, these these people that didn't even have their own publishers, they just self-published on Amazon and the, and they mm-hmm. got picked up like they, it got popular enough. They had enough of a readership that people like Netflix and Amazon were like, well, clearly people like this stuff. Let's see if we can adapt it into something else. I wonder if that's what kind of ilk she is of or or you know like you said it could it could very well be that she's just a writer's room person who right well you know that you know they don't do it as much as they used to but i remember when i was a kid every movie had a novel tie into it yeah right well but it was an it was an adaptation of the movie right yes and yet i'll give you an example um the original star wars novel that was written by ghost written by Alan Dean Foster under George Lucas's name. They released the book six months before the movie came out. So everybody assumed that the movie was an adaptation of the book that nobody had seen the movie or read the book or something. Right. And it became popular again since it got picked up with the movie, but it was the other way around. And they, so they knew that they were going to do it all along. And yeah, Lucas is like, oh, we need to get some back room out there. So <laughs> can you write this for me? And so um, my George Lucas isn't as good without the beard. I really have to get into the role. You know, honestly, I, I live. I'm going to create the, the next time we have an episode, uh, an Intel report or really any episode that we have. I need some sort of button to hit anytime you go into George Lucas mode because it's my favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> Guess I got to grow the beard back. Dang grow the it. beard back, man. <laughs> got to do it. Got to do it. <laughs> got to flesh that impersonation out. <laughs> it's just not as effective without the space work. I'm just saying. That's, that's right. That's right. I, I do have a plaid shirt if I need to, to really, <laughs> really sell it. <laughs> Big burly lumberjack <laughs> shirt <laughs> exactly and i mean right now i am like with the hair if i go long i'm like phantom menace era george lucas i still got some <laughs> i still got some dark on the top but the beard's all white yeah you know whenever i look at george lucas i'm like i could stand to lose 40 pounds because i look <laughs> like george lucas and that's not good oh <laughs> oh well he's you know 
yeah. he's earned it. He could do whatever he wants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's got so much fuck you money. It's ridiculous. <laughs> More money, Mr. Lucas. Uh, just uh, just put it in the, the guest room over there. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, moving on to uh, the next item here, we've got some Bond news. So this is this is sort of uh, leading us up to our first discussion point of this Intel report. But um, so, like I said, there's 85 days as of this recording until the alleged U.S. release of No Time to Die. Um, but in the meantime, um. Everyone, including Eon, has begun to sort of look forward at, you know, what comes next. And there was a story in the New York Times on July 6th where Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson uh, spoke up in support of two current MGM film executives saying, Mike and Pam understand that we are at a critical juncture and that the continuing success of the James Bond series is dependent on us getting the next iteration right and will give us the support we need to do this. And I find that very interesting that they were willing to say that given the circumstances right now where Amazon's about ready to, in all likelihood, they're going to get the deal to go through and purchase MGM. Mm -hmm. And whether or not uh, Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi even stick around after that acquisition is anybody's guess. Um, and according to a newsletter by a former editor at the Hollywood reporter, uh, he said, I'm told Amazon's famously press averse executives were quote concerned about the story, mostly because DeLuca and Abdi focused on MGM's theatrical release plans and their strategy of original ideas with original authorship possibly leaving the impression that there will be internal conflict with what Jeff Bezos cited as the primary reason for buying MGM, which is rehashing intellectual property. So that's uh, interesting that we're already seeing a potential mm -hmm. uh, clash of, of, of ideas and things, which sort of leads me to this discussion point, which is, Given all this change that's about to happen with MGM being bought and Daniel Craig stepping down and, you know, Barbara and Michael G. Wilson trying to uh, figure out who they're going to cast as the next Bond and, and the fact that the Broccoli family in general is getting up there in age a little bit. And then, and then on top of that, you couple that with everything else that we've been talking about here. Argyle being laid out as a franchise to be, not to mention, not to mention a spy movie that's coming out next year as well, helmed by the Russo brothers, also known as the Gray Man, which has 11 books worth of source material that they can go off of. Is James Bond about to lose the throne or did he ever have the throne? I suppose is another oh, question. I think he did. I think Forever. he did. I think he did. And, and now I'm starting to wonder if he hasn't already lost it. Is this the tipping point? Well, you know, we've discussed this on numerous other podcasts where, yeah. you know, that whole paradigm shift between Bond and Mission Impossible, mm -hmm. where, you know, Bond started getting stale again during the Brosnan years. And here comes, you know, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise in his way into spy movies, just like he. <laughs> You need to hold your breath for six minutes. I'm Tom Cruise. I can do that. Yeah, you no. need me to be in a spy movie. I'm Tom Cruise. I can do that. And so 
we talked about how Tom Cruise became the accessible James Bond. Right. Because he's not perfect. He makes mistakes. He's lovable. He's identifiable. Whereas James Bond is an archetype and right. not necessarily identifiable to other people. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I think Bond is still the premier spike character in mm-hmm. all of media. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes, you know, oh man, that guy really Ethan hunted that. And they don't, right? Right. Nobody, you know, nobody says Ethan Hunt. When you say spies, you say James Bond. He's Bond, exactly. But I think that looking at what we're looking at now, there's going to be this renaissance I, I, of yeah. espionage. And, and I think that there are different interested parties who are seeing this opening right now. They mm-hmm. see an opening because they can see what's going on with Eon and MGM yep. and they see weakness and they go, this is the perfect time to step in and overshadow the bond franchise Agreed. with, with all this, with all this discord and, and change going on where there's all this uncertainty. It, you couldn't think of a better time for two different major entities to swoop in and go, Oh, well, guess what? We're going to do three movies about this super spy called Argyle. And it doesn't have any problematic past to it. We can, nope. we can make it brand new and there's no, you know, there's nothing, there's no uh, baggage that comes with it. We can make it fresh. Then we've got the gray man that's, that's being helmed by the two most profitable uh, movie script writers in the business. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah. I mean, the Avengers, they, I mean, mm-hmm. They, they basically they basically made Marvel what it is. You can talk about Joss Whedon all you want, but the Russo brothers really took the reins and brought what that franchise needed to keep going for another five or six years. Absolutely, absolutely. So you've got those guys behind one spy movie, and you've got you've got Matthew Vaughn, who has proven himself with the Kingsman already, behind the other. Mm-hmm. This, I mean, granted, James Bond has legacy on his side. So that's the big thing is that James Bond has 50, 60 years, actually, as of next mm-hmm. year, 60 years of history behind them. So even if even if they did shoot blanks on No Time to Die, let's say No Time to Die, no Time to Die is kind of a stinker. Spectre 2. Right. <laughs> I was just saying it for you. I know. I know. You did that for my benefit, and I appreciate it. But <laughs> but it's like even if, even if No Time to Die is a stinker, they could always come back. Mm-hmm. With the next one, or even if the even if the one after that, you know, they could. There's always a chance. But here's the thing. Here's but, the thing. Yeah, I know. I know. The two years that the movie hasn't been out has hurt the franchise big time because Bond has become more niche than mm-hmm. mainstream. You know, people. If you Kingsman, anybody's going to go see that, right? Right. Mission Impossible. You got your diehards. But most people are going to go see that, right? Right. It's like if you put Tom Cruise in a a James Bond movie, he would pull Tom Cruise people in to do that. Mm -hmm. So unless you pull somebody with a huge following and something else to replace Daniel Craig, people are still going to just, it's people going to see a James Bond movie. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I think with with the amount of time that, that it hasn't been in the public consciousness 
and the fact that there's going to be this whole bit of intrigue about who replaces Bond. And then you're going to have them button heads with each other on where's Bond going forward. Um, I think from, from my standpoint, you need to play on or play off of that heritage that James Bond has. Yeah. You need to, and do what, what essentially Amazon wants to do, redo everything so that you bring it into a more modern context mm-hmm. and you get that history that nobody knows anymore mm-hmm. because most people who are going to watch well, the good part James of Bond, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you clean it up, you, you, yeah, yeah. you modernize it. But how many people are going to pay money to go to the movies that saw Goldfinger when it came out? Right. Right. Yeah. Or that grew up with Goldfinger on TV like you and I did. Mm-hmm. Nobody Goldfinger doesn't show up on ABC on Sunday night movies anymore. Right. Right. You know, you have to go. I want to watch. Not even Bond. Golden Eye does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's no history to it anymore. And that could actually work in their advantage to their advantage if they go back and revisit the basic stuff, Yeah, which is why I'm kind of hoping that, <clears throat> excuse me, no time to die is sort of a backdoor Dr. No thing. Right. Yeah. And allows them to maybe go all the way back. Yep. And, and start, start from the beginning. Start from the beginning. Maybe, maybe do more Fleming faithful renditions. Mm-hmm. Um, especially I think about, I always think I always go back to Moonraker. Moonraker. Right. Just because the book is so much clearly, <laughs> the, the, I mean, Moonraker is fun if you're just, you know, goofing off and it's in the background or whatever, but you know, as far yeah, as like I, a true spy movie, like if they went back and did it the way the book is, it'd be so much better. So much better. Yeah. So I think there's that potential. And think about it. If you start using the existing material, you could probably turn stuff out a lot faster, mm-hmm. more often, keep it in the public consciousness more. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that the that the the family wants to uh, I know that the family wants to continue on with the new content. But, uh, you know. <laughs> At the end of the day, if nobody gives a crap about James Bond, it doesn't matter what you put out there. Yeah. And 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 I do think that they are they are in sort of a dangerous position right right now, mm-hmm. for sure. Because if either one of these two big movies hit, not to mention the fact that next year in 2022 alone, we're gonna get two Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> and if enough excitement is is built around any of these movies coming out i haven't even brought up the uh what is it the 315 or the i, f- I forget what the what the number is but there's that female driven spy movie yeah, that's yeah. coming out at the very beginning of the year if if that garners a bunch of interest and excitement by the time james bond finally comes back around is anybody going to give a shit you well, know they will once atomic blonde 2 comes out for sure well, <laughs> so, so I, I definitely think that, that they're in a precarious position right now. And I'm just hoping, I hope that no, I mean, just for my own personal benefit, I hope no time to die is really good. So I can enjoy a really good James Bond movie, but also sure. if it's not good, oh boy. <laughs> it, <laughs> well, it, that's the thing. If it, if it doesn't knock him out of the park, their cachet with Amazon is going to go in the toilet. Yeah. Because they're going to be like, well, the last one you made wasn't so great. This one didn't even do as well as that one did. Maybe yeah. it's time for us to kind of look at doing things our way. 
And, you know, I, I don't know what kind of legal ground that, that Broccoli Wilson has to stand on, but uh, MGM owns X amount of whatever of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got to have some muscle. And if it's sort of like the whole thing with Spider-Man and Sony, right? Mm-hmm. As long as they made a certain amount of money and kept cranking out films, Marvel couldn't do a damn thing about it. Ah, okay. Uh, but you know, if they if they continue, I think the contract basically said if they couldn't continually make profitable pictures over and over, that Marvel had the option of saying nope and take it back. Right. But every Spider-Man movie did good because they dumped a crap ton of money into make them <laughs> decent. They weren't all great, but I mean, but they were all decent and they did well. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I. It's so hard in this day and age to think about spy movies being relevant because there's no more Cold War. Everything's done electronically anymore. Everything's done behind a computer for the most part. Yeah. So the idea of human assets that aren't just straight up into and nobody wants to watch a movie about a guy who's in deep cover that's reporting back about, you know, financial statistics from a Chinese company he's working at. (laughs) Right. You know. Yeah. So the idea of. Even even Ethan Hunt and the Impossible Mission Force, all of it is starting to become very passe because there's no referent to it at all. Right. And I have to wonder. You look at a thing like uh, like the the what's the the King thing, King of Spies, right? Mm-hmm. This is almost like an Unforgiven. Of spy movies, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, what if this Argyle movie turns into the same kind of thing where it's like, you know, revisionist westerns, you know what those are, right? Where, you know, for, for 20 or 30 years, Hollywood made the cowboys are good, Indians are bad, right. riding on painted horses. And then in the late 60s, early 70s, you started getting the dirty, dusty, duster wearing, anti hero. Maybe we weren't so great with the Indians yeah, kind maybe of we stories. Were kind of awful people. <laughs> right. So revisionist westerns. So mm-hmm. maybe we're going to start entering a, a time where we have revisionist spy movies. espionage movies. Yeah. Because your only other option is to go back to when it was relevant. Yeah. Which yeah. we all know that's my preferred thing for James Bond is to go put him back in his time and place and make those movies in that category, especially if you're using the source material. Well, and I'll be really curious, too, to see whether Argyle is in present day or whether that's. Yeah, because I mean, I I've only seen one little piece of artwork that was on Henry Cavill's Instagram feed, but it looked a little traditional looking, you know, Mm -hmm. and it kind of makes me wonder, is it is it going to be it might not even be I could see it, especially with with it being Matthew, a Matthew Vaughn movie. I could see it being something where it's an alternate reality altogether, where you've got, it feels like it's in the 60s or whatever, but you're dealing with much higher technology. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got sort of this uh, almost, um, oh, what's that called when you've got that weird technology that's... Uh, they're, always wearing, they're, always, they're always wearing goggles and... Steampunk. Steampunk, almost like a steampunk type situation with, <laughs> but with or, a spy. Or maybe it's something along the lines of what Tim Burton did with the original Batman that he did, where everything was, there's pieces of all of the history in there. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell if Gotham City was happening in 1990 or if it was happening in 1940. Right. Because he, Burton and that's kind of what I was, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. It's one of those universes where it's like there's a little bit of both in there and you can't quite tell what area you're mm-hmm. in, but 
you do it in a way that makes sense and you create rules around it and it allows you to have the best of both worlds. Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't know. All, all I have really for that are two questions. One, will there be CO2 lasers? <laughs> and two, I wonder what color his socks are going to be. Hmm. I wonder. <laughs> I guess I should say, what print will he have on his socks? Yes. The color's yes. kind of irrelevant. <laughs> but, uh, oh, the, and the other thing that I wanted to bring up about all this Um, the reason why I wanted to bring up this discussion as well is the fact that Henry Cavill is the lead in Argyle, or at least allegedly, because he was the number one fan choice for the next James Bond. Right. So now, now Eon's got a backup and punt. If that was, if that was in the back of their head about what they were going to do next, that's off the table now because he's sure as shit too busy to, Mm-hmm. To be James Bond at this point, and he he clearly has ruled it out based on his decisions. Yep. And so now we're looking at like who's who's gonna who's gonna be the guy now? Who's gonna be Bond now? Still have my dream people. Yeah, I won't, I, I won't get them. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Michael Fassbender. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I suppose we should move on. If we have to, I suppose. We should we should probably talk about this mystery movie that that uh that Disney princesses Dis- Disney princesses and of course we are talking about Black Widow which just came out duh hey it it fits you've got two sisters who live in a cold country <laughs> right yeah yeah they're fighting an evil bad guy yeah. I, you know, I admit I got to stop here because I've never actually watched any of the Frozen movies, so I don't I, know if there's any other seen parallels. The first one. I've only seen the first one, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, just saying. So, so uh, what was uh, you go first? What was your first? What's sort of your gut reaction to the movie? I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it better than some of the offerings that they've put out in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of other offerings that they put out that I liked more, but I think it did what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. It was fun to watch. Um, it's set like, like Thor movies used to be before Ragnarok. Um, <laughs> it set up things that were coming later. So yeah. those ones are never their strongest movies where they're, they're using them to set up plot points. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was just, it was an enjoyable bit of kind of family drama. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I, I actually to, liked, I actually almost like that part of it more mm-hmm. than the final third of the movie that mm-hmm. goes full Marvel. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that David Harbor is probably the best part of the movie. David Harbor is the single greatest part of anything that he's in. I Except decided. for Hellboy, even he couldn't save that. Even he couldn't save that. But seriously, like he steals every scene he's in in this movie. Yep. He's yep. just that good. Like he, his presence, the guy is, the guy is a national treasure. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny watching the movie. I'm like, there's a lot of James Bond callback in here, either intentionally or unintentionally. Right. I mean, even David you know? Harbour himself, the fact right. that he was in quantum of solace. Right. Well, and so I'm looking at, I looked at a clip of him in there. Cause I, again, forgot he was in it. Cause he's that character actor guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And until he got on stranger things, he was at everything, but you couldn't remember who he was. Right. And I'm like, I'm just watching you see him like he's amazing. Yeah. In this. 
what is happening here? He's so good at being such a dickhead in, in quantum of solace. Like yeah. he's so good at, at being that, that company or in the, I guess suppose country man. <laughs> yeah. Like the CIA man, you know, in, in quantum and, and he's so hateable in that movie. And yet he's so mm-hmm. likable when he plays a good guy. And it's yeah, just, absolutely. he's just, yeah. he's a great actor. He is. I, I, if I had any criticism is that I think they may have tamped down Scarlet or the, Natasha's character in mm-hmm. favor of giving the other characters more breathing room. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. And I feel like they're, they're sort of because, and I don't know if this is because the movie was delayed, probably not because I mean, the movie was finished, what, like a year and a half ago already. Yeah. More or less something like that. But they're really, I feel like the whole movie is just teeing up Yelena Belova, which I don't think it, that shouldn't be a, spo- a spoiler for anybody. We already know she's dead. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that a spoiler? Too bad. <laughs> that movie came out in 2018. You can kiss my ass. Um, I think everybody knew that was the point. Yeah. The passing of the torch. We've got Hawkeye is going to have a six issue limited series where he's passing the torch. Right. Right. We've got Sam Falcon and Winter Soldier passing Sing the, the torch. torch. This is all that everything is happening right now in Marvel is getting them to the next 10 years and setting people up and not doing it in movies, but for the most part, doing it in TV. Right. Um, I think you kind of needed to do this as a movie for Black Widow's character. I think the character deserved to have her own solo film because Scarlett Johansson, I think, has been one of the best things about the Marvel movies because her character really was the comic relief, like, like, like the Hawkeye character. They were the real people. Yeah. That were, were dealing the, with the, the superhuman crap. That they were was the going people on. that were reacting to these like superhuman freaks. Right. <laughs> and, and I made the mistake because I, I watched winter soldier. Cause I think something's happening with winter so, soldier. Something's happening soon so with I, winter soldier. I don't know. Something. Dude, I listened to this podcast. Where these <laughs> assholes have been saying they're going to do a review of it for like two months. <laughs> Two years, really. And I'm like, yeah, really, when you think about it. So anyway, and I watched it like two days after I watched Black Widow. Right. And the difference in how she portrays herself in Winter Soldier compared to how she portrayed herself in Black Widow. And then after in in Endgame and when this took place in Infinity War, there just wasn't there wasn't enough Natasha in it. Yeah. Yeah, and, so, and that made me a little sad because, like I said, I loved watching her be that character, reacting with all of these titans. Yeah, well, I almost feel like we've gotten shortchanged by only getting a single Black Widow movie out of out of right. um, Scarlett Johansson. I agree. You know, the, the fact that they didn't make one right off the bat, like as soon as they introduced her way back in Iron Man, like yeah. why didn't they make something back then? Like you could have really even if even if you did it after a couple appearances in Marvel movies, but just allowed for at least two movies, and and that way we do get one movie that maybe allows her to be that person that you're talking about that's reacting to things and being the the relatable human that's going, oh my god, can you believe this? Right. Well. So there was superhero movies before Wonder Woman and superhero movies after Wonder Woman. That's a very good. And, that's a very good point. And I don't think that Marvel wanted to shortchange the character, 
Right. But they had a plan. Mm-hmm. M- much like the Cylons in Battlestar Galactica, they had a plan <laughs> and they got to see that plan through. I think that Natasha's role in Winter Soldier was really that sort of Black Widow movie that you didn't get to see. Yeah. Because she is really a key, a key character through the whole thing. She's mm-hmm. not ancillary to the team. It's her and Steve Rogers through most of the film together doing right. what they need to do. She wasn't a sidekick. She was an active participant. But Wonder Woman came out. They brought out Captain Marvel, which, again, I would have rather seen a Black Widow movie before a Captain Marvel movie. Uh, agreed. But, but it was part of the puzzle mm-hmm. to get to Endgame. Right. And so there wasn't a whole lot of choice in the matter. Now, mm-hmm. I I like Captain Marvel a lot. And I know a lot of people didn't, but I have an affinity for the character from comic books. Mm-hmm. I actually like Black Widow more. Yeah. like I feel like I would watch it way more often then I will watch Captain Marvel because I kind of got the gist of Captain Marvel. And the other than watching Samuel L. Jackson look 30 years younger and getting to see a blockbuster <laughs> get destroyed. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of content there that I care about. <laughs> I hate to admit this, but I have, I've, I've actually not seen Captain Marvel. I should probably well, go good. back I and watch it. I spoiled it for you. No, so. I'm not really worried about that. <laughs> you have Disney Plus. You have no excuse. Go watch the damn thing and report back I later. I know. I know. Um, one of the thoughts I had was it was thankfully more of a spy movie than I initially anticipated. Mm-hmm. And I was really scared about that because... Based on the trailers, I was like, oh, no, it's it's just a superhero movie. There's no spy stuff going on in this whatsoever. And thankfully, there was. There was actual spy shit going on, especially if you think about the early part of this movie. Oh, for sure. Very reminiscent of the show The Americans. Um, to if if you're going to make sort of a parallel, very reminiscent of the Americans in that early in the sort of flashback moments in this movie. Um, the bad guy literally wants to control the world through a network of agents, not unlike Hydra. Um, so there, you get real spy stuff in it. But then, like I said, the the final third goes full Marvel, and it's fun, but it's not. it, it ceases to be any sort of a spy movie. Right. Um, I also thought it was interesting. I did just a little bit of digging on the literary or comic book history of Black Widow, because I, I, I never read the comic books, but I did not realize that um, the character of Yelena Belova and the character of Taskmaster were essentially the same character in the comic books, and they split it up into two different people in the movie. Am I saying that right? Uh, so I'm going to have to admit, uh, at least the Taskmaster part I'd never heard of before. As far as I knew, Taskmaster was a dude. Okay. Uh, everything that I've ever seen. He's been like a second string bad guy for a long time, and I know the characters come into prominence in the last five or six right. years. So they may have written something completely different from the character than I was aware of. Right. But uh, he he just used to be a dude with a sword and a skull mask when the yeah, uh, last time I yeah. checked in on him. I just found it very interesting that they sort of branched out the two different characters, or at least based on what I read. I mean, who knows? It was something off the internet. Well, I, have, and, I have no idea. But And they do sort yeah. of mutate some of these you know comic book stories into things to fit movies better. Yeah, and- absolutely. I, I I can tell you right now that uh, Rachel Weiss's character, sorry, it's sort of a spoiler, 
but that character isn't such a good person in the comic books. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think they were definitely tailoring it for where it was going and the end credit scene will tell you exactly where it's going. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. Fun it to was watch. everything I uh, expected it to be. I could have created a drinking game off of the number of gratuitous ass shots. Um, yeah. White I, leather, black leather. As, I mean, I hate to say it, but as a red-blooded male, I didn't hate it. <laughs> How could you? I mean, <laughs> it's just, I mean, from a selfish point of view, I didn't have a problem with it. But... <laughs> But uh, I mean, uh, and not just Scarlett Johansson. I mean, we got gratuitous ass shots of Yelena and Alexi. We got to see David Harbour's ass, too. <laughs> and like the actor himself, quite impressive. Indeed, indeed. Uh, and Rachel Weiss. And Rachel Weiss and all the, oh, well, can't say that either. Boy, I hate spoiler-free podcasts. I know, I know. We're trying so hard. <laughs> but uh yeah, um, I'm trying to. I think. suggest everybody go see it. Yes, I would. I I definitely thought it was. Uh, I definitely thought it was much better than I thought it was going to be. That's yeah. That's the thing I will say. And I also, if I have a criticism, it's that there is some Jackie Chan level falling going on, and some and some injury that happens mm-hmm. to Black Widow that is like, come on. remember remember she's genetically engineered and has some version version of a super soldier serum floating through her veins so if captain america can do it all right fair enough i didn't realize that i didn't realize that she had there's a little there's a little thing in the movie where you kind of see that where they're there when she gets into the red room and it elaborates very quickly on some of the things that happened sorry spoiler um (laughs) But um, come on, if you know Black Widow was, you all suspected it anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, uh, I also yeah. enjoyed, and I, it's been shared on the internet over and over again, so I don't feel bad talking about it. There is a uh, another Bond. Well, there's two more Bond things that we haven't truly talked about. The fact that Olga uh, Kurilenko mm-hmm. is in it. From Quantum of Solace. From Quantum of Solace. Again, two Quantum of Solace people in, mm-hmm. in Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Her character was really surprising. <laughs> I did not expect to see her. And completely work. underutilized. So I'm sort of and unhappy about that. But Yeah. Well, they, you know, it's funny. There's been rumors floating about, not that not that Eon would ever listen to their fan base, but there's been a lot of people like sort of thinking that Olga Kurilenko should come back to the Bond universe since she's one of the few Bond girls that didn't get did killed. Die? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see that. I mean, any anytime I can get more screen time with Olga Kurilenko, I'm I'm okay with it. So you should watch Oblivion then. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, but the other thing I was going to say, the other Bond connection that we haven't talked about yet is the Moonraker moment. There's yes. a moment in the movie which doesn't spoil anything other than the no. fact that you find out that she's watching Moonraker and. She knows it so well. She's mouthing the the words to the movie, which yep. is great. And what did I do immediately after I saw it, Ben? You texted me about it. And then <laughs> what did you do, Ben? And I'm like, well, I, I kind of already found out from Bond Twitter. <laughs> Fuck you, Twitter. <laughs> you are forgetting one other Bond adjacent thing that's in this movie. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, isn't Rachel Weisch married to somebody that's involved in the Bond franchise? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think Rachel Weisz is is married to somebody. Uh, I don't so know. What's his name? Donnie, Donald, David. Uh, 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 it's got two first. He's got two first names. It's it's Daniel, <laughs> Daniel, Mark, Daniel, Greg. Daniel Craig, maybe Daniel Craig. That's, that's it. it. That's, that's it. the guy. That's, that's hey, it. Explain something to me while we're on the subject of Daniel Craig. Yes. If Tom Cruise can keep playing Ethan Hunt into his fifties, why can't Daniel Craig keep doing it? Because Daniel Craig likes to drink. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> that's what, that's the difference. And when he's getting paid and he's getting paid a shit ton of money for knives out too. <laughs> yeah. And unlike Tom Cruise, he's probably a little less concerned about his fan base of James Bond. than Tom Cruise is his fan base of Tom Cruise. Indeed. So. Indeed. I, Indeed. I was just, I was thinking about this earlier in the podcast. He's 59 now, I think. Tom Cruise. Yeah, so yeah. if they make any more Mission Impossibles after eight, he's getting into Roger Moore territory. Oh, boy. Except that he's been Ethan Hunt the whole time. <laughs> Man, that is wow. <laughs> Good Lord. That man is he's a he's an alien or something. I don't know. He, he is. He is something. But uh Better man than me. I can't hold my breath for six minutes. I, I can't either. I can't hold my breath for 30 seconds. <laughs> I mean, technically, I could hold it for six minutes. I'd be dead for about five and a half of them. But Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think uh, that's about all we can say about Black Widow without spoiling yeah, things. Pretty so, much. Uh, and, and we apologize if we gave you out any more than we, we should have. But um, yeah. <laughs> What are we going to do? What are you going to do? What we are you going to do? We liked it enough that we wanted to tell you to go see it. We were so giddy. We were so giddy. We could be. Yeah. We were so giddy that we might have leaked a couple little things about. Yeah. It's still so, worth seeing. Still worth seeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, as always, we are always looking for listener interaction to uh, tell us how you like the podcast or if you have ideas. Uh, please let us know uh, via email. You can reach us at CICDeadDrop at gmail.com. On Instagram, we are Central Intelligence Cinema, uh, separated by underscores, or on Twitter at CIC Spy Pod. So, uh, yeah, come uh, come say hi, you know. Yeah. And, you know, if you enjoy the podcast, which we hope you do, um, if you're still listening, there's something you like about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, we would love it if you uh, chose to help us out by going and giving us glowing five star reviews on Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Those the glowing. Who, it's the glowing part that's really important. Well, they're stars, so they should glow. Okay, um, well, but anyway. uh, right. those of you who have already done so, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. Indeed, uh, indeed. But the more we get, the more it gets seen by people who are looking for this kind of nonsense, and uh, the more people we get in to get us to get more content for you. So, indeed. go out, give us a review. Indeed, who's it gonna, who's it gonna hurt? And uh, yeah, more stuff on the way, but I've promised way too much in previous episodes, so I'm just going to leave it at that. So uh, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem.